selflessness it has been ingrained in our minds as a virtue. Mm-hmm. And I do not believe it is. I do not think it's a positive trait. I don't think it is something to, um, you know, uh, kind of strive for because what that means is you're sacrificing yourself for other people. That does not mean you don't help and share and, you know, provide uh, guidance where you can. It's absolutely not that. But we need to stop doing it at the expense of our own mental, physical, and emotional well-being. Hello and welcome to the Success with Savita podcast, where we share hot tips on how to do life and business without losing your mind. I'm your host, Savita Nanjapa, entrepreneur, high-achieving 9-to-5-er turned transformational success coach, helping you create a wildly successful business. Come hang out with me and other fabulous humans like you every week for stories and chats packed with a healthy dose of tips, resources, how-tos, and real talk. Side effects may include a happier and more confident you with each passing day. Hi, and welcome to the Success with Savita podcast. And joining me today on the show is my lovely guest, Upasna Gautam. She is a mindfulness mentor. And today we are going to be having a conversation about mindfulness for remote working and career success. Upasna joins me all the way from Austin, Texas, And before we get into the conversation, I wanted to take a moment to introduce her to you. Upasana, when she's not being a mindfulness mentor and coach and teacher, is a product manager on the digital news and platforms team at CNN, where she develops and optimizes the technological infrastructure that powers the domain and delivers breaking news to the world. Prior to her product management role at CNN, Upasana worked in organic search and data analytics for a decade and has architected and managed the organic search strategies for many enterprise properties such as PC Mag, Mashable, Ford Motor Company, Mass Corporation, and so many more. Holding a degree in biomedical laboratory diagnostics from Michigan State University, she started her career as a clinical research scientist, but her love for data drew her into the field of SEO, then ultimately product management. Upasana's unique experience in science, mathematics, and search has allowed her to bring a logical and analytical approach to increasing web visibility and authority while maintaining brand integrity to drive greater conversion for enterprise-level digital products. Upasana lives her passion for teaching through processing complex technological topics and distilling them down to their simplest forms so that they can be understood by anyone. And you will see in the conversation how she does that beautifully. She has presented her thought leadership on search optimization and product management at several tech conferences, including the Digital Summit Series, PubCon, SMX Advanced, Conductor C3, and again, many more conferences that she has been a part of. The highlight of her speaking career was in May 2019 when she delivered her TED Talk titled Optimizing for the Next Billion. Upasana is also a speaker coach at Shine Bootcamp, a professional speaker accelerator for women and non-binary people. Upasana's mission is to galvanize women to cultivate confidence and seek the opportunities to amplify representation on the speaker rosters in the tech conference circuit. She hosts free workshops for women to teach them the tactics to define a topic, pitch events, and craft compelling proposals to get accepted to speak. Since launching her workshop series in mid-2020, she has already helped over 750 women attain success 
as a conference speaker. In addition to the nerdy goodness of her full-time position and conference speaking, Upasana is a mindfulness and meditation teacher, avid hiker, yogi, and self-proclaimed gastronomist. Join us as we dive into this conversation. Hi, Upasana. Welcome to the podcast. And I am so grateful that you chose to be here today and you're so generous with your time. On that note, I actually want to quickly invite you to the podcast and get you started. Um, so yeah, thank you for joining me today. You're so welcome. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. So my first question I'm going to dive right in is share with us your journey because you have a very unique and interesting career. So we'd love for you to, we'd love to hear your story so far and what brings you into now being a mindfulness mentor. Yeah. Um, so I, as far as professionally, my career, I, I started as a clinical research scientist uh, after I graduated from college and my degree was in biomedical sciences. And I, from there, after a couple years, you know, I realized I didn't want to pursue any form formal further education. And I wanted to move into the tech industry mm -hmm. um, because there were so many opportunities, uh, parallel opportunities there. And I spent, um, you know, most of my career, which is the last like 10 to 12 years working in the deep side of analytics and data science um, and also uh, organic search architecture. Um, and then about two and a half years ago, I transitioned into product management. So just a more higher level role within tech, um, working closely with engineers and designers um, here at CNN, where um, we kind of build the technology that helps our journalists um, write the content they need and deliver it to the world. Um, and in addition to that, on you know, over the past decade, I have developed a passion for um, a, a passion and a practice for mindfulness. Um, and I started out as a student. I'm always going to be a student, um, but I also started teaching it over the last couple of years um, because it had such a profound impact on my personal and professional life. And I wanted to share it with everyone um, because I felt like I could bring and offer a unique perspective in the sense that, and I'm sure we'll get into this in a little more detail later, but you know, it's not just about sitting down and meditating for an hour or several hours every day. That is one important part of it, absolutely. But it's really about making it part of your life and infusing it into your lifestyle and looking at mundane opportunities in our life to, in, in our daily lives to become mindful. And I think that's really where things start to change and click for people and where you really start to see uh, the impact and power that it has. And so um, that's been like an undertone and consistent in my life and growing, mm -hmm. and, you know, uh, over the course of the past 10 years. Um, and so I, I sometimes I say I do it on the side, but I guess it's not on the side. It's really kind of the foundation of, of everything in, 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 in my life. And I think it's getting, you know, stronger and stronger over time. Yeah, I love the content that you share and also, although I'm a coach and we know how powerful mindfulness is, when you say finding those mundane moments, that's really so hard to find at this time. And so I think everybody's dream career would be 
CNN. Uh, but you are also like you're so deeply in the science side, tech side, and then also into mindfulness. And our topic today is, you know, we're talking about remote working and mindfulness for remote working and career success. So how would you define mindfulness? All of us, I think, define mindfulness differently. For most, it is meditation, like you said. Uh, like when you say self-care, people think it's massages all the time. So how do you define mindfulness um, as a mindfulness coach and mentor? Uh, self-awareness, deep self-awareness. Um, and that comes from, you know, doing the hard work of being able to, uh, you know, develop empathy based off of, you know, the meditation practices, uh, practicing and getting better at communication skills. Like it, it, it trickles down into so many forms, right? But at its core, and to answer your question, um, it, it, to me, mindfulness is self-awareness. Okay, awesome. Um, which a lot of us don't have, I have to say that, but- It's hard. <laughs> yeah, to bring you in, like, but your journey from, you know, all the work that you do and now to doing mindfulness or being a mindfulness mentor, what has actually, how has it actually helped you in your own career? Yeah, so um, especially speaking from a purely professional standpoint, the good thing is, is that it will manifest personally and professionally and it becomes a part of your life. But when we think about every single job um, mm. requirement has a list of like repetitive soft skills, like be a team player, great communication skills, um, having leadership skills, uh, critical thinking skills. You see these soft skills listed across basically every single job description, right? And the thing is, is soft skills, you can't just read a book and you wake up one day and you now have those skills. It's not like a technical um, practice where you can read a book and learn it and put and immediately put it into practice. It is a practice, um, you know, and to me, the prerequisite to all of those soft skills to be a great leader, to be a great communicator, to be a great team player, um, to be a great, uh, you know, um, a, a, a leadership figure, be a great critical thinker, um, the prerequisite to all of that is empathy. But in order to cultivate empathy, you have to practice mindfulness. So it's, I kind of think of it as the sequence of you practice mindfulness, you gain, you know, these, um, uh, you gain the skill of empathy, and then that makes you a better leader, a better communicator, a better problem solver, a better critical thinker. Um, and so, and then it's cyclical, the more you practice it. I mean, it's, it's an exercise, just like how we exercise our body to get stronger. It's, this is like an exercise for your brain. Mindfulness is, you know, like this exercise of your brain. So um, I see it manifest in those ways. You become really, really clear on um, the things that you also want and you don't want in your career. So um, yeah, I think those are some of the most uh, profound ways that that it helps. You know, I'm smiling as you're sharing this answer because I'm like, how beautifully you're breaking it down. And that only somebody who has been in STEM can do really. I mean, you're breaking it down so simply that people can understand it. Otherwise, sometimes it's all, you know, like people can't relate and you're making it so relatable. So thank you for that. I love how you I will say, I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up because one thing I always say about it is 
it's really um, simple. It's very mm-hmm. simple, but it's not easy. And so that's the part where it's like, yes, it really is that simple to understand it. And that's the path and order of operations. But of course, actually doing it is not, it's not easy. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like weight loss, uh, eat right, work out right. But then, you know, it's so it, hard to do that. It's consistency. It's all about consistency. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So that brings me to asking you, so what are um, some of the strategies that you can share with our audience uh, to develop mindfulness? Because this has to be, like you said, practiced. Uh, what are some strategies that you would like to share with us that works well? So I wanted to touch back on uh, one of the things I mentioned earlier, which was you know creating mindfulness from mundane. And, the, the, and I think the key is you know, in addition from sitting down and meditating, which I don't think there is any substitution for that. And even just five, 10 minutes, like you just got to do it. Um, but apart from that, it's about not transforming and uprooting your whole life to become a mindful person. It's what are you already doing and how can you transform those things into mindful activities? So my favorite example is brushing your teeth, right? We got to brush our teeth every single day. So instead of doing it in a very passive, um, mindless kind of action, you know, cause sometimes our, even when we're brushing our teeth, our head is all over the place. We're thinking about all the things we got to do after we brush our teeth. We get, we're thinking about all of our activities for the day. Use the brushing your teeth or similar activities like taking a shower or, you know, warming up your coffee or your chai, like use those opportunities to just be there and be present and use all of your senses in those one, two, three minutes to be mindful. And so when you're, when you're brushing your teeth, for example, you can bring in your, like all of your, your, your senses, like your sight, your, like the smell, what does the toothpaste smell like? How do the bristles feel against your teeth? Um, you know, just, and taking it a little bit slower. And when we're talking Mm. slower, this activity is already so small, right? It's a two, three minute activity, total time. You can transform that into a mindful activity. Um, if you just bring attention and awareness to that, like present moment, this is what I'm doing right now. And that's all I need to worry about. Mm. Um, I think that's a great place to start. Okay. Yeah. I think for people who constantly have a racing mind, which is me often, uh, it's really simple. One thing that I have observed is that when you're mindful, you feel less tired uh, because I think you're just narrowing it down to just that one thought versus having many things going on in your life. So I like that brushing your teeth example. But my question is, you know, with the pandemic and work from home, how can we still apply mindfulness when we are in each other's space all the time? Because when you want to be mindful, someone else is busy, like, you know, especially if you're in an apartment and you don't have a big space, but someone else is in your space and you feel like, oh, I, I can't really be mindful right now because this person is, you know, distracting yeah. me. So how would someone deal with that? Do you have a a tip for us. Yeah. And I actually, you know, I spoke to a lot of my, um, you know, colleagues who, you know, uh, had to go leave the office, work from home, who live in New York and like smaller apartments. And now they have children at home. They have their spouse at home. They're homeschooling their kids. And these are like, you know, um, executive females in the organization who like used to 
need like they you it wasn't an escape but it was a part of their life to go yeah. to the office and now that's all uprooted and changed I spoke to them a lot about this because my experience is very different than like a lot of those people in the norm but the the key takeaway that I got from talking to so many of them was about just having one thing in the morning at the beginning of your day to root yourself in your day because it'll set the tone for the whole day too. I get it. If you're like a working mother, especially, um, and you have to like, and I'm, I'm not sure exactly what was the case, and I'm sure it's different all over India, but like most of our, um, you know, children uh, had to become uh, homeschooled. And yeah. so, you know, in addition to both parents working and there's a yeah. lot of chaos going on there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's yeah. like, can, can you like, and, and that's why I use the brushing your teeth example, right? Like something that you're already doing and using that as an opportunity to create an anchor for the rest mm -hmm. of your day, because it's probably not practical for that person or that woman who is working full time, homeschooling her kids, taking care of, you know, you know, three, four, five different things at a time to sit down and meditate for an hour yeah. in the middle of the day. I get that. And I think mindfulness is, again, I keep going back to that brushing teeth example because it's what can you create um, in your life that already exists? And so, and I think, and again, like the, and the key takeaway that I observe isn't like you have to like exercise it at every moment of every day. The thing is when mm. you consistently exercise it, like at the same time every day, like you will become stronger and stronger in that practice. And the thing is, the good thing about mindfulness is, is it trickles into the rest of your day. It starts to manifest in the way you communicate to people. The way you set your boundaries is super important for, 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 for work too, right? Yeah. Like blocking your calendar, communicating to your teammates that like, this time is for me to work heads down. This time is for me to like, go take a walk for five minutes or take a breather. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think like just rooting yourself and anchoring yourself in something right off the bat when you wake up, whatever that might be, is a great way to start, especially for a beginner. Like if you're not, a, if you're not, a, you know, uh, an advanced practitioner, or you're not like, you know, you haven't been meditating and you're just trying to yeah. make life a little less chaotic, to be honest, at this point yeah. in, 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 in the world. Um, it's just about the simple things. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. Stay tuned as we take a quick break and we'll see you on the other side of the show. Yeah, yeah. So you're bang on, we are all going through, um, I have an eight-year-old, so we're all going through the homeschooling, work, food, um, and often it's been, at least for me, the last one year, I've seen our productivity levels come down because there's this constant distraction and dealing with all of this. Mm -hmm. And it's funny that you should say that women are dealing with all of these things to so start your day by doing this, because my next question actually was about how would you kickstart your day uh, with mindfulness? And I think uh, what you shared earlier counts, which is, you know, whatever the practice is to do it at the same time. So that is a key uh, takeaway. What you're yeah. sharing is instead of like trying to think about mindfulness all through the day, do it at the same time. And I think that's something that I can take back and apply and we all can apply to our lives. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So my uh, uh, the next thing that I do want to ask you is what's one important lesson you learned during the pandemic for yourself? Oh my gosh. I think it's, um, 
you know, so at the beginning of the pandemic, I personally also suffered a pretty traumatic injury, um, mm-hmm. right? And I, I, I broke my arm and like, I it, like both bones in it. And then after I broke it, I got a really bad infection um, where I wow. had to like infuse antibiotics, um, you know, every day for six weeks. And so plus the pandemic, like it all happened at one time. I was also always a really active person mm-hmm. um, and I couldn't go anywhere. I was physically like, I was not able to do anything. I was completely dependent on my fiance, which was a huge struggle for me because I've just been very independent my whole life. So mm-hmm. I couldn't like wash my own hair because I was like, just completely like yeah. helpless. And I've never been in that situation before. Plus the pandemic, not being able to go out anywhere. So I'm like stuck at home by myself, not being able to move. And the thing I realized like over the course of that, um, the first six months of it, uh, which is about from March to the middle of of the end of last year. Mm -hmm. um, And plus all of the, you know, working at CNN is super stressful sometimes because you're constantly inundated um, with, 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 traumatic events of the world. And um, that's where I realized I needed to pick back up and make my mindfulness practice even more um, integral into Mm -hmm. my life and not be so hard on myself, to be honest. Um, I think we, especially as higher achieving women who have goals and aspirations and ambitions, we expect a lot from ourselves and uh, hard on ourselves for, you know, really kind of things that don't matter at the end of the day, if you're mentally and physically not feeling there. And I will say like, even the most mindful person, the most um, Zen and peaceful and harmonious in mind person has struggled myself included in the past year. It's not to say that it eliminates struggle or like you don't feel pain. It is actually mindfulness is a practice to help you understand your emotions even better, right? It's not about, it's not about becoming desensitized. It's not about becoming, um, you know, uh, distant from them or ignoring them or learning to, okay, just forget it and move on. No, it's the opposite. It's really about why do I feel this way? And like to deeply feel it and understand why it's happening. And then, you know, take actions, you know, take necessary action to move on from it because, you know, everything is impermanent and it's not going to last forever. That, you know, this has been a longstanding, right? Like it's it's hard to say that when there's so much suffering in the world right now. Um, And it's, but at the same time, it's for yourself. And if, we, I think, constantly have a desire, again, as like these more high achieving women, I'm sure you can feel, you probably feel this way too, is like, you want to help and do things for other people so much, but sometimes we do it at the expense of our own um, mental health and physical health and emotional well-being. And the thing is, you can't help people if you can't, if you're not taking care of yourself, right? Like the whole, you pour, you can't pour from an empty cup. And it's true. Like I, I could, I, I, I actually felt that and saw it happening with myself over that, over the course of that year. And so I realized that, you know, it's not selfish to put yourself before your, you know, your, your partner or your coworkers, or like, it's, 
this is it. Like, it's just, it's just us at the end of the day. So if yeah. we're not, we don't feel good and we're not taking care of ourselves, we're not going to be able to help other people in the capacity that they need. Yeah. I mean, such, such great takeaways. And as you're saying that, I'm just thinking about how much it's ingrained in us that you take care of everyone else before, like you put everyone else before you. And, you know, the image in the last two days that's doing the rounds because we are still in lockdown and in the pandemic is this woman who tested positive, who has COVID, she's got her oxygen um, mask on with oxygen concentrator in her house and she's in the kitchen cooking and they're like, oh my God, right? But with all about mindfulness, uh, I want to bring it down to you and share with us what is a day in your life look like? So, you know, I, I do like some semblance of structure. It keeps me grounded, but not rigid structure because the thing is you have to, you have to like flexibility as a person personally and professionally is, is always going to be helpful more than it is going to be to have a rigid structure where every single hour of your day is planned out. I used to be like that. And all it ended up doing was causing a lot more stress when I didn't check off something on that mm. list of the day. So now I think like, so what I do is journaling has helped me tremendously and nothing lofty. I, I do really simple journaling exercises. And basically I set an intention for the week, depending on what I need to do. And then every day I have like two to four, like small tactical things that I just want to get done that are my must do need to get done whether they're for work or for home, um, you know, like just, I got to go uh, take care of this. Um, like, what do I have on my list right now? Uh, oh, we're, we're, I'm, I'm, we're, uh, me and my fiance are getting married in November. So we have like okay. nonstop wedding planning things. So I'm like, okay, I'm just going to do one thing this week. Right. And just get that done. So I set an intention for the week. Like, and the thing is, you got to write it down. Thinking yeah. about this stuff in your head is it does not have the same impact um, that it does when you see it in front of you and you write it down. And also it's an exercise that, so that means you got to do it consistently. I usually like to do it in the morning or mm. right before I go to bed, one or the other. So an intention for the week. And then a couple of like every morning I, I make a quick list of things that I need to get done. And before I leave my office, um, I shut everything down and I see what I got done. I see what I didn't. And then I just move things over to the next day. And I'm like, okay, I didn't get this done today. I got to get it done tomorrow, but keep those lists short and sweet, right? They yeah. don't have to be like huge lofty things. Sometimes it's like, okay, I want to prep our produce, you know, mm. for the week. So I, so we have, so cooking becomes easier, right? So yeah. we prep like cut vegetables and stuff up. So meal planning becomes easier because yeah. cooking every day during a pandemic is hard and <laughs> yeah. like, it, I mean I, I we don't have kids so it's just the two of us but um you know it's still I can't imagine having kids and having to feed them too because <laughs> it's already so hard for two people um yeah and it's like another thing you have to think about right so the like the journaling exercises have helped me tremendously in addition to just like you know sitting and having some sort of silence and stillness mm. some form of it whether that's sitting down and meditating, whether that's going for a walk, um, whether that's doing some stretches and yoga on the ground, you know, just something where you can be um, in silence and a little still or slow movement. Um, 
that plus the journaling. And then, you know, I personally do like, I I've always been an active person and I've had to regain my strength a lot because since, since my injury and work on that, because it's Mm -hmm. been super frustrating to go from, you know, being a pretty strong person to losing all of it and having to rebuild it. And so I make sure that I have that form of like strength building physical activity every day. Like those are the three things that like anchor me every day is like stillness, um, uh, silence, stretching, journaling, like, and this isn't hours long, right? Mm -hmm. I get all of this in in about an hour in the morning. Um, And so, you know, it's not about, like I said earlier, transforming your whole life and your routine. It's just, where can you find some little pockets of, of time, you know, to have for yourself. And I think at the very least we can give ourselves an hour every day. Yeah. I mean, it's such great, valuable advice you've dropped. So I really don't want to ask you this last question before I have to let you go, but do you have a piece of advice, a word of advice to all the women who are listening to this uh, podcast? I do. And I think I'm going to go back to something you and I both touched on after you told me that that story is, you know, especially Indian women, I know, um, I've seen it with my, you know, uh, my, my, my family members, my peers, um, we have lots of family still in India. And, you know, that the thing is that selflessness it has been ingrained in our minds as a virtue. Mm-hmm. And I do not believe it is. I do not think it's a positive trait. I don't think it is something to, um, you know, uh, kind of strive for because what that means is you're sacrificing yourself for other people. That does not mean you don't help and share and you know provide uh, guidance where you can. It's absolutely not that, but we need to stop doing it at the expense of our own mental, physical, and emotional well-being. Like once you realize that, you know, you, like I said, you can't pour from an empty cup and you know, why are we frustrated? Like, why are we so overworked and so tired? It's because we're constantly putting other people's needs before our own. And it's not a good thing to be selfless. It is a good thing to love yourself first so that then you can love other people mm. better. Yeah, perfect. Thank you. That was, that ended on such an amazing note. I really don't want to let you go, but I know we've got to stop now, but we'll no reconnect again. And people, can, and people can connect with you on Instagram, uh, anywhere else that you... Um, I'm pretty, pretty you. active on uh, Instagram and Twitter are the okay. places where I'm mostly, I'm mostly active. So yeah, would, would love to connect with anyone there if you have any other questions. And yeah, maybe we can do a part two of, of yep, this. Yes, for sure. You dropped such great value and it's been lovely it's been a pleasure talking to you thank you so much and thank you for being here today thank you for listening to the podcast if you like this episode and you want more you can go to the show notes on my website which is successwithsavita.com forward slash podcast if you like what you've heard so far i would be grateful to you if you could leave me a five-star review subscribe to this podcast and share with a friend who may find this useful you can also follow me on my Instagram at successwithsavita and DM me any questions you may have and I will be happy to answer them for you. Until the next episode, believe in yourself and all the best to your success.